Welcome to the Move with Modus podcast. My name is Dr. Christopher Ellis, and joining me is personal trainer John Williams. We are the owners of Modus Personal Training and Physiotherapy. Together, we will discuss any topic you can think of when it comes to training and rehab. From the carnivore diet to hip impingement, you can be sure that all your questions will be answered. Enjoy this week's episode. So how are we doing, John? Fantastic. Yeah? What do you want to talk about today? Didn't we already decide? Don't, don't we decide this before? I'm trying to give you an opportunity to introduce the subject. Oh, okay, we're going to talk about pain today. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk about pain, chronic pain, pain science, all kinds of fun stuff. So first of all, why is pain bad? Because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. That's a cultural thing, you know that? Like there's certain cultures, like I think Buddhist culture, like suffering is anticipated. It's supposed to be part of life. Well, like that guy who lit himself on fire. Because he was protesting the war. That that, that's Buddhist an extreme, yeah, <laughs> extreme example. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's just, just first of all, interesting concept that we just automatically think pain is just a bad thing, mm-hmm. and we have to we have to resolve it. So okay, keep that in the back of your mind. So what what is pain? What do you think? Any ideas? I well, know, I know you read the article, but and I listened to that video. Um, and I've and I've always known this, but it. Definitely watching that video you sent me and then also the article that you wrote was pretty eye-opening. It's all perception. Yes. And it's not constant. Like, this amount of input right now is not always going to be the same throughout the duration of your life mm-hmm. based on the experiences you might have moving forward. Yeah. Well, it's just interesting that it doesn't... Pain is not where you think it is. It's actually in your brain. So, to be clear, that's not... It's all in your head. It's not. So, it's literally experienced in your head, in your brain. But figuratively, it's not all in your head. It's not fake, right? It's, it's real, but that's where it takes place. So it kind of reminds me of the balance system. So the way you stay balanced in life is, you know, you've got your proprioception. You know, those little receptors in your joints that tell you where your, your ankle is in space. You've got your vision, and then you've got the vestibular part of your brain. That's the inner ear part. Those are all three different inputs that come in, and your brain processes that information and then decides how to make you balanced. That's how the, the balance system works. Pain is a lot like that, too. You get different inputs. So you've got nerve endings, your peripheral nerves, all throughout your body. And they have nociceptors, so they can sense mechanical changes, thermal changes, chemical changes. And that info goes to your brain, and then your brain decides what to do with that information. And if it perceives that there may be a threat to the area, it's going to turn on a pain signal sort of protectively. So it's a protective measure. In fact, there are people that are born without the ability to have pain and they don't live very long there was a house do you remember the show house md yeah there was an episode of house and there was one patient who couldn't feel any pain uh-huh. and so they had to like she had to be like i think she had to be like wrapped up at night so she like wouldn't move around and, like cut herself by accident yeah yeah life would be very dangerous about pain yeah and i always thought to myself i would love to never have to experience pain but then i saw the episode of house when i was like 10 and i was like oh wait maybe i should probably have to deal with this every once in a while yeah imagine if you couldn't feel pain and you just put your hand on a hot stove and just kept it there and didn't know you're burning your skin off <laughs> that'd be pretty dangerous yeah i think i'd rather feel pain in that situation <laughs> yeah. which is an interesting um quote i read that pain no sorry movement is a behavior so movement's a science right you know what we do is movement is a science uh but it also can be like a reflexive behavior so that the stove is a perfect example you touch the stove, boom, you reflexively move. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I also think of it as like um, 
someone who's got some knee pain, maybe they you know put more weight on a different leg. So it's a compensation as well. So I just think that's kind of a cool idea. Pain is a behavior. Movement is a behavior. Sorry. Um, and then the other thing I want to mention is, and this is, I think, a Perry Nicholson quote. He's the kind of lymph guy, if you ever heard of him. Um, pain is a request to change. I like that idea, too. It's, it's saying, hey, something's going on here. I don't think I like it. There's a potential threat. I'm going to create pain so you stop doing that thing. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense, especially when you talk about like something super common like knee pain or lower back pain. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you're not moving properly. I can't tell you how because I'm just your brain, mm-hmm. but stop doing what you're doing because it's not good. Yeah, and it can happen with any activity. I mean, think about like your typical desk worker. They get neck pain, right? So what's going on there? They're in a sort of bad position for lots of hours, so their head's probably kind of lean forward a little bit, and of course they all get like upper trap pain. Well, there's a low load on that uh, those neck muscles because trying to hold your skull in place for eight hours, and the mechanical receptors they sense the stretch that low load stretch over hours, and then the the, the brain is basically like, yeah, this is not good. You need to I'm gonna create pain, so you move and get out of that position. Yeah, one of the things you said that I thought was interesting on a previous podcast, you, you mentioned, I think it was on our back pain and like lower back pain podcast, where we talked about SI dysfunction, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. You talked about how people have pain and then they like identify it as like their pain. This is my pain. Yeah, this is my pain, yep. And I think that's a huge issue because then that all, like if it's all perception mm-hmm. and if it's all just our brain receiving the information and deciding what to do with it, you deciding that it's unique to you mm-hmm. and it's something more special than it is, is going to amplify the whole process. Absolutely. Um, and then it becomes, oh, I'm just going to have to live with this now. I hear that all the time. This is, my, this is the new me, right? Or I'm old. Yeah. So there's like this negative feedback loop. Uh, it starts with like, ow, I hurt myself. All right. Now, how you decide, uh, how you perceive that changes everything. Like if, you, um, if you're like an athlete, I, I treated this football player who had a high ankle sprain. You know what that is? It's like basically you're, you're your, uh, the bone where your shin is basically gets driven straight up and separates your tib and fib. Super painful. <laughs> he, he played a whole practice on a high ankle fracture. And he just didn't like, so some people can say, you know what, this is not a threat. I can play through this. It's not a big deal. And those people are going to do really well, right? But if you're like, oh no, I just, I damaged myself. That's a big word, damage, right? Then you're like, I can't move. I have to rest it, right? Because that's what everyone says, rest it, which is BS, by the way. Uh, and then what happens? You get weaker and stiffer and it gets more painful and you rest it more and weaker, stiffer. And it's just this cycle, this downward cycle from there. Yeah. And, and just to give us a story of like how much this is perception versus actual reality sometimes, that YouTube video you sent me of that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so this guy, what is he, a physical therapist? Is he a yeah, neurologist? He does a lot of neuro research and he's also a physio. Yeah, so he, he was walking through the woods. Mo, uh, Lormer Mosley, that's his name. Lormer Mosley was walking through the woods, and he scrapes his foot, or he scrapes his shin, rather, um, on a branch. Well, so he's walking through the brush. Yep. He feels something like a, like a stick up against his leg. Yep, and he just he continues on his life. He goes into the water, he comes back out, and all of a sudden he passes out. He had a brown snake, had bit him. Um, it was actually holding onto his leg, and then he passes out, and then he gets rushed to the hospital. I don't know how he got to the hospital. He just kind of said, I passed yeah, out, yeah. and that's the last thing he remembered. Yeah. I don't know how he got um, anywhere after that, but anyway, it was a brown snake, which is very dangerous, um, but he survived. He was fine, and then he was with a friend, walking through the woods, again, walking through some brush, 
part two, gets the same thing, like a little scrape on the leg, and he just goes down in agony. He's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the girl who's with him is like, dude, shut up. Like, you just have a little just scratch scared. on your <laughs> yeah. leg. And it was because previously when he had uh-huh. this experience, it was a near-death experience from a little scrape on the leg. So now his brain's telling him, hey, um, this is the same sensation. Go down now. Yeah. Um, alert, alert everybody. Yeah, and this is why context matters. In the first instance, he had you know grown up in Australia and walking through the, the brush and was used to that that sensation. So the brain did not perceive that as a threat, and it was inaccurate. Right? <laughs> that was a threat. It was a deadly snake. But then the brain learns that okay, last time I felt this, I almost died. So now I'm going to create massive pain so you get away from that that situation as fast as possible. So yeah. context, it's uh, pain is super context dependent. And you have a story as well. Which one? I got lots of them. <laughs> Let's go with the one about the knee that you put in your blog. The knee. Remind me. You, you just wrote about it. <laughs> <That was laughs> oh, yesterday. my God, man. <laughs> this is bad. I'm just kidding. I remember it. <laughs> so uh, in high school, I was playing street hockey, and I slipped on some wet leaves. So I fell down, and I stood up. I didn't feel anything, and I thought I was fine. And then I, everyone's faces, like their mouths are hanging open. And I looked down, and there was a big gash on my knee. I'd fallen on a, a broken piece of glass, and the fat pad of my knee was just hanging out. It was disgusting. Uh, so I didn't feel anything until I looked at it, and I was like, oh, that's a threat. <laughs> that, that hurt like hell. <laughs> yeah, same thing happened to me I was, when I was in eighth grade. This was by far my worst injury. I was riding my bike, and it was n- nighttime, and we were on, like, concrete. It was dark concrete, and we were on a black um, ramp all of the things just led me to not be able to see at all. Uh-huh. Um, and so I go up one side of the ramp, come down the other, miss the ramp on the other side. I go over my handlebars, hit my face on the concrete. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of like a quick moment. It was just like, boom, you know, and I just sort of got up and I was like, just sort of, you know, shooken up a little bit. Um, but then all of a sudden I go to like bite down. I literally just go to close my mouth and I couldn't do it. So I was wearing braces at the time and my front four teeth had all broken off. But they, my braces were hanging onto them, so they were just like pushed back into my face. Nice. And so I go back, go to bite down. I was like, oh god. I was like, guys, I can't bite down. I was with a couple of friends. I was like, this isn't good. And then that's when I started freaking out. But initially, I was like, oh, this is weird. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. But when it comes to you actually applying this in real life, let's say you have like a little bit of a foot injury and you go to run, and all of a sudden you're limping. Well, stop running, because you're going to reinforce this limping mechanic even once your foot starts feeling better. Uh-huh. You know, these things are going to start popping up because your brain is sensing that there's going to be danger next time you do this thing. Um, so you're going to create compensatory movement patterns. Same thing with like lower back pain, especially. Yep. You see a ton of people going into tons of anterior tilt because they think that that's going to protect their back. Um, but same thing with running or walking with a limp. Um, you really want to try to protect your movement patterns as best as possible when you're, you're in pain. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to talk about threshold too. So uh, what tends to happen is, you know, that set point where the brain decides to give you a pain signal can change. Um, so if we go back to the desk worker, uh, maybe they can sit in front of a computer for six hours before the pain sets in. Uh, and then the next time they go, the brain's like, okay, nothing's changed. He's, he's doing this thing again. I'm going to make it five hours, four hours. So that, that set point, that threshold can, can drop down further and further. And there's obviously other variables too. So this is where we can get into a little bit of the biopsychosocial model. So there's other variables that can augment pain and, and basically drop that set point too. 
And that comes down to poor nutrition, you know, not having a movement practice, not sleeping well, all, you know, all these th- stress. Uh, these things will all drop your set point. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when it comes to just exercising in general, you not exercising all that much and you doing it very infrequently, all of the sensations, right, the fatigue sensations that you get from exercise are going to feel like a threat. They're going to feel like actual pain. Mm-hmm. I literally just had this today with one of my clients this morning. We were doing a rotational drill and part of the rotation was to you know, engage her glutes um, through external rotation. And she's like, hey, it really hurts right here. And she pointed to her glute. I was mm-hmm. like, well, that's what's supposed to be happening. Yep. That's good. And I have to keep reinforcing that with so many people because like, oh, it hurts. My point to where it's hurt hurts and then describe the pain. They're like, it's a burning. Like, let's say they're doing a press. It's a burning in my chest. I'm like, you're good. Like, that's what's supposed to be yeah. happening. Yeah. That, that's the nociceptors sensing mechanical, chemical, and probably metabolic, so uh, yeah, chemical change. And it's saying, okay, we're overloading, which is good. You want to overload a little bit to get adaptation. But once you get into too much, that's when you maybe you back off of it. Right? Yeah. That's why I usually tell my patients, stay, you know, four out of 10 pain or lower is fine. Yeah. And I think too, at the same time, because I think even that's relative, like some people, they're like experience like agonizing pain. I'm looking at their movement and everything. I'm like, I think you're okay, but I don't know because you're making such a big deal of it. Yeah. That's where perception is huge, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what do we do about pain? So I'm going to talk about like manual therapy and massage guns and foam rolling. Like, why does that stuff work? So first of all, what it's not doing is we're not breaking up scar tissue. We're not breaking up adhesions. That's, we've sort of proved already that that's not what's happening. We're basically desensitizing the area. So we're using these same principles. Okay, so when I'm, if you get some low back pain and I put my hand on the spot and I push it, right, it hurts at first, then it kind of calms down. Because basically, your, your brain is perceiving the area as a threat. I ram my fingers into it, and it's like, ow. And it's like, oh, I'm not dead. Nothing, Nothing's damaged. I'm still getting these signals, but nothing bad is happening. We can turn down that that set, that threshold or, you know, or ramp it up, really, so it's not so sensitive. And, that, and then you have an opportunity to move. That's, that's how manual therapy works. We desensitize you, and now you can use your back and not be afraid to use, to use it. That's the idea behind it. And same thing with massage guns, foam rollers, all that stuff. It all works the same way. Yep. Yeah, and they're really, really effective too. Movement in general is just super effective. I had a client who I use a lot of the same methods. I did some massage gun work. I did some foam rolling work with her. And she could barely, you know, I had her on her knees, um, like on a, on a pad, on her knees, going to pick up a 15-pound kettlebell. Mm-hmm. Like 15 pounds. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And she couldn't even bend down from her knees to pick it up. It was probably you know, three or four inches away from her hands when she reached her hands down. She had to like sort of move to the side because she was so scared of hinging from her hips. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we had her moving more often, moving without load and showing her that she could do it, um, I don't even think necessarily we had actually made any biomechanical changes at that point. Yep. I think I had just decreased her perception in her um, sense of fear for that movement. Yeah, and this, I see this all the time. Someone bends over to pick up something, and then they hurt themselves, and then now they're afraid to bend over, yep. right? Because they, they associate, okay, that movement caused this severe pain, so now I, I shouldn't pick anything up, and that's not the right way to go about it. No, not at all. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to talk about, you know, when we experience pain, how much do you know about the pathway? Because that was one of the things he was talking about uh-huh. that I couldn't really get a grasp on just driving in my car over here at the time. Like, once we experience pain, like I touch the hot stove, mm-hmm. what happens? 
So you have your peripheral nerves and then you have your central nerves, basically. Mm. So it's just a signal goes from your fingertip to your spinal cord and then up to your brain. And then the brain processes that in multiple areas. The Most of your sensations in your somatosensory cortex, kind of the middle of your brain. But it's also in the, uh, the anterior cingulate cortex, the thalamus, and the insula. insula. So that's, that's what they call the pain matrix of the brain. So it, it's very complicated. It processes all that information and decides what to do with it in, mm-hmm. in the brain. And then it'll send a reflex back, depending on the stimulus, if it's bad enough, like the hot stove. Yeah, just touch, okay. Yeah, and it's going to give you a reflex. And in fact, the hot stove, there's a a reflex arc. Sometimes there's certain stimulus that can go from the peripheral nerve to the spine and instantly send a a behavior right back. Mm -hmm. So that's called a reflex arc. Mm -hmm. I think the crux of this conversation is when you experience pain, decide, A, if it's a really big threat. So if you have to actually do something about it make a clear distinction between this is a clear threat and this is not a clear threat. Um, And then don't be afraid to move or decide what movements this pain is telling you to stay away from. And if it's, okay, I can still do this movement, but just do it better next time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those would be two pretty helpful things for people to understand moving forward. Yeah, so the whole rice protocol is garbage. The rest, ice, compression, elevation. Compression, elevation is fine. Ice, we're not fans of. And rest is not the right answer. Okay, if you fracture your femur and you have a cast on, well, you're going to have to not move that femur because you need it to heal. That's different. I'm talking about like your typical, you know, ankle sprain or something like that. You you need to move it uh, in a pain-free manner, as pain-free as possible, basically. Yeah. You know, and movement is going to help with inflammation way better than anything you apply to your ankle. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I have a little bit of foot issue going on. I went on a run just beat up my foot, went a little more intense than I should have. And now it's when I run, I'm getting some pain in the foot. But what I'm desperately trying to do is anytime I have to get up to a jog because I don't have a choice, um, I really just try to have a good running stride regardless of the pain I'm feeling in the foot because I know that I'm going to really inhibit um, my running stride later if I just keep this up and keep building yes, that pattern. Yes, that's a huge thing too is – once you've developed a movement sort of compensation, it's really hard to un, you know undo that. You yeah. know? So I see it all the time with back pain. You get somebody you know does that little limp, and then they get out of pain, and that that limp just persists. That's really hard to change that behavior. Yeah, yeah. I had this actually. I had this same conversation today with one of my clients. He was doing a an RDL, and every time he came up, he would like fall on anterior tilt as we do, and then pick himself up, and he couldn't really extend his hips very very well. He's like, well, what is that from? I'm like, well, think of how many times you hinge from your hips a day. It's probably around like 3,000 or so times. Well, if you're constantly doing it like that, well, just because we're in a controlled setting with a barbell does not mean that movement pattern goes away magically. Right. It's going to take a lot of reps, probably thousands, to get that to go to go away for good. Yeah. And that's what I do so much with my patients is, is you know, if I'm having them squat, high repetition, it's not about strength necessarily. It is partially strength. It's more about grooving that pattern so they mm-hmm. can get the right technique down. But I also that's another point, too, is that um, – so I, the reason I like this perspective is it, it gives you a better sense of that you're allowed to move, right? I, it's sort of the typical um, kinesiopathic model, that's what we call it, where the tissue is the issue. That model uh, creates a lot of fear in people, creates a lot of kinesiophobia. Yeah. Like the – idea that if you bend down the wrong way you're gonna your your disc is gonna go flying out your back <laughs> you know that's first of all inaccurate 
but that creates a lot of fear. Uh, you can move pretty much ever, however you want to if you train for it. So yep. do you know what a Jefferson curl is? Yes. Thoughts on that? Bad, good? Again, you you said you just said it right there. You yeah. can move however you want as long as you've trained for it, yep. and if a lo- if everything else globally is doing the right job as well. Yeah. So like uh, the kipping pull-ups you see in CrossFit, that looks like they'd shred up your shoulders. I don't think they're necessarily bad. I just think you have to train to a point where your body has adapted and can take that kind of force. Yeah. Because it's just internal external rotation at the shoulder, um, a little extension, a little horizontal uh, adduction. I mean, it's really not that big of a deal yeah um you just have to be able to do that and do that well yeah exactly you have to adapt your body to whatever it is you want to do mm-hmm. from a treatment side of things uh-huh. like as a as you know professionals in this space you get pretty good at knowing which pain is good and which pain is not good like all of a sudden if they're like hey i have this burning sensation right in my spine mm-hmm. and they're pointing to like l3 or l4 yep. you're like, okay something's wrong we got to figure that out. And this is probably like a go to the hospital sort of thing. But if they're like, yeah, I have a bur- – like I'm, I'm doing squats and I have a burning sensation in my quad. Yeah, normal. Um, normal. Yeah. So one of the things I always try to do is whenever somebody says, hey, this hurts or, hey, I'm having pain, I ask them to identify the pain, point to where it is, describe it to me. And if it's not harmful, I try to downplay it as much as I can mm-hmm. in order to help them realize that this is good. This is part of the process. Yeah. You do something yeah. similar. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, quality and quantity counts. So, you know, how bad, how intense is the pain? Again, like four out of 10 is sort of my line of demarcation. Um, and then quality. So is this just like a dull ache? Is it sharp? Uh, depending on where you are, like if you're getting real sharp pain in the shoulder, I might back off of that. Uh, numbness tingling is to be respected. That means a nerve is being compressed somewhere. So if someone's getting numb or tingly, that's, you know, you got to figure out a way to get around that or mm-hmm. refer them out. Uh, but you know, you're using a muscle type of pain. That's, that's normal. You, you, that's good. You're creating adaptation. That's good. Yeah. So I just like to, I like this phrase that pain is not damage, right? It does not equal damage. That, that's what I want to get across this whole podcast. It, that pain can be totally inaccurate. Sometimes, you know, it is damaged, but usually it's not. Um, you can fully tear a ligament and it doesn't really hurt. It might hurt in a very specific moment, but after that, it doesn't hurt because it's gone. ACLs are great examples of that. Yeah. You know, a lot of times people do damage and they don't even feel it. You know, or you could, like, I always use this uh, analogy of, like, stepping on my son's Legos barefoot. That's like a 10 out of 10 pain. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but there's no tissue damage there. Yeah. Right. Uh, you can be bit by a brown recluse spider and not even feel it, and then your your whole hand will like disintegrate. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen a brown recluse bite? It's disgusting. <laughs> so yeah, pain and uh, damage are you know completely independent of each other. Yeah, I think that's a good place to uh to end the the pod for sure. Okay, we'll send the pod. There we go. Is that we call it for short? Well, I mean, I could say podcast every time. It's just more syllables. I don't have that kind of time. Okay, I know you're in a rush. All right, John. (laughs) So I guess we'll end it there. All right. uh, So just remember, people, pain is not damage. Movement is good. And fear all pain at very intense levels. Any little pain you feel, think of it as near-death experiences. (laughs) He's being sarcastic. Wait, shit. (laughs) (laughs) He's from Massachusetts. There's a lot of sarcasm. All right. That's it. We'll wrap it up. Until next week. Yeah, I'll just stop talking just so I don't have to say anything stupid. All right, good. See you, John. Do you have unexplained pain? Or do you wonder just how healthy you are? 
When was the last time you had your blood tested? Blood chemistry analysis is a great way to stay ahead of any health conditions, and now you can have control of your health with Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked is an incredible company that sends blood tests to your home. You can choose from over 30 different tests, whether that's liver function, testosterone, micronutrient, cholesterol, or C-reactive protein, which is a marker for inflammation. It's sent to you with free shipping and you get results in two to five days, no physician referral needed. Use the code DPT20 for 20% off. Go to letsgetcheck.com and use the code DPT20. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions you want answered, find us on Instagram at Modus Naples or send us an email. You can fill out a contact form on our website, which is modusnaples.com. Make sure to check out our blog and our shop as well, where there are downloadable programs that we'll continue to update. This is the Move with Modus podcast. We'll see you next week.